Wonderful. Well, all the white hair that I have everywhere is because of Pastor Mark. <laughs> just, just want you to know that since, since he agreed, I'll just agree with him. Um, that's where it all came from. But hey, let me introduce my wife, Dorette. Uh, there you go. <clears throat> this is the first time I've got to be with you here. It's been a long time since I've, uh, I think the last time I spoke was at the other facility. God has blessed you. Amen. I tell you what, it was so great to have Pastor Mark served in Twin for 11 and a half years. Did a phenomenal job. Loved him. We've got to watch him go from single guy to spotting a little gal by the name of Amy. That, Well, there you go. <laughs> Wesley's here. Whitley's down south, and Wendy's here somewhere, but anyhow, we love Pastor Mark and Amy. You have a great, great pastor and his family, amen? You really are blessed. Um, Let me just mention something about those Christmas boxes. Uh, That gal, I don't know where she was from. I'm I'm guessing she was probably from Turkmenistan, by the way the people, if those pictures were tied to her culture, a closed society like that, maybe Azerbaijan, but... Stop and think about what one little box this big can do. There's somebody got saved in a nation. Remember, 2001, so this is past the fall. So those, that's the reason I put, it, put her in those, one of those nations that's still closed. Think about that. There's somebody that became a Christian in a closed nation by never hearing the gospel presented necessarily from one of our types of service. So, you know, I think what Pastor... Uh, PJ said you're like 116 out of 400. Boy, I encourage you, these next seven days for, I don't know how much that little box costs. How much is that little box? Anybody know? You fill it with something, right? Yeah. 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 Listen, that's the, that's the cheapest investment that you can sow the seed of the gospel in some place that somebody may get it. And there's hundreds of stories like that little gal and uh, what a cool deal. We've done that as well, and I just want to encourage you guys. you got a week to get it in, so get all of them in. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, it's, it's great to be here. And, uh, you know, when I had my wife stand up, she doesn't look as old as me, does she? She is my first wife. She's a wonderful chef. Yeah, first and only. And I, I just have to say that, uh, you know, this white hair deal, it's my dad's fault. But No, it's Pastor Mark's fault. That's right. It's Pastor Mark's fault. But she, she did a, uh, she's Swiss and does a Swiss meal. And so this, this kind of foo-foo uh, kitchen place had her come to, to do this meal. You know, I think they paid 75 bucks a plate or something like that. So I went to help her as every good husband. I'm, I'm just cutting the, I'm the sous chef. Is that what a sous chef does, right? I'm cutting the vegetables. When they introduced her, they said, it's so great to have Chef Durette Shaw with us tonight. And, you know, we're going to be having whatever. And they says, we don't know who that is, but isn't that so sweet that her dad came? <laughs> I'm not her dad, and I think she paid him off is what I think. Anyhow, so, okay. Well, listen... <laughs> Are you ready to hear a fish story this morning? Anybody ever told a fish story? Okay, well, we're going to read a fish story that Jesus uh, 
that we have uh, recorded for us in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, go to the book of, book of Luke, chapter 5. We're going to go through the first 11 verses of this chapter. I just kind of call this fish, fishnet theology. But specifically, for me, I don't know about for you, but I'm going to present this story from the perspective of destiny. How many of you believe that you have a destiny in God? Okay. Some of you, some of you maybe aren't sure. How many of you know that the plans that God has for you are good? Not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So I like to say it this way, to give you a hopeful future. Right? Regardless of age. So from the young to the more mature, even those that are white-haired, we've got a future in God that's hopeful. So let's say this. So, so say, I'm not done yet. Listen, if we're still breathing, we're not done. God still has something cool. So I just want to throw this, this story out to you. I just feel like it's what I need to bring, at least for my time with you here today. It's such a privilege to be here. I'm so proud of Pastor Mark and Amy and all that they're doing. And to just see how God's blessed you as a congregation, it just, man, it just warms my heart. But here's the thing. You haven't reached your peak yet. I know some of you went, yeah, that was years ago. No, we haven't reached our peak in God. If we're still alive, we haven't reached our peak. Because I mean, if you know, we can still grow, we can still learn, we can still do. So anyhow, it's with that. Let me just read the story and then we'll go back and we'll make five or six comments, okay? It says in verse one, so it was as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. So they signaled for their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Okay? So let's journey through this story and maybe just talk about a few points that can help us go further to fulfill our destiny in God. Because I believe, sitting out in this congregation this morning, I believe that there's some incredible things that we haven't seen yet. Amen? Okay. So the first one is preparation. Write down the word preparation if you don't mind. We find this in verse 2. It says, He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Now, in the, when Brett and I were first married, we were married for just a few months, and then we moved uh, from the United States to Nova Scotia, which is a province in Canada that sticks out up over Maine, right? You know, the, the perfect storm? 
that movie, that was filmed right off the coast of where we lived. And so we, Dret and I were landlocked. We grew up, both of us grew up in Colorado for most of our lives. And um, so we didn't know anything about, uh, I certainly knew nothing about a seafaring culture. And so I was on a huge learning curve. I'm an outdoors guy. I like to be outdoors, fish and hunt and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, I was, I was out and tried to immerse myself in that culture. And I learned so much about a seafaring culture, uh, stuff that I'd have never thought about. And so when you read this story and I say they were preparing, it it almost sounds like they weren't preparing because it says they were washing their nets. But let me tell you, one of the things that's interesting about commercial fishermen, uh, whatever size of a boat they have, however big, however small, it doesn't matter, when they go out and spend a day fishing for whatever it is, species of fish that they're trying to catch, when they come back, they're not done. They may be done from just that segment of the trip, but when they come back, they, one of the things that they do is they, it's not over yet, so they start going through their nets. They weren't washing their nets so much to, because their nets were dirty. That's, that really is, that, there can be an application that way. But really what they were doing is when they go through and wash their nets, they're visually looking at and, and with their hands, they're, they're able to feel the integrity of that net. And so what they do is they go through it, and if anything needs to be fixed... That's when they do it, before they go out to fish. They're preparing. Everybody say preparing. In other words, um, it's different, you know, like when me and my little guy go out fishing or something like that, and it's probably not that much different from you. You get back from fishing, and if you caught anything, you clean your fish, and then you just, you know, if you, if you had a boat or a canoe or if you fish from the bank, it doesn't matter. You just kind of, you know, once you got your fish cleaned, you were done. Up there, it just, I learned that's not what you do. When you get done with that portion, it's just only that portion that you're done with. They would go through their equipment. They would look at their fishing reels. They would look at their fishing lines. They would look at everything. Listen, why? So that they were prepared to go again. You see, we want destiny to take place. We want these grandiose things to take place. But I wonder if we just sit back sometimes and just kind of hope, hope that it just hits us in the face. No, I, I believe this. We're able to step into those things because we've prepared for the moment. So are you prepared for the next moment of your destiny? Yes. Well, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. Your destiny is different than my destiny. But I know this. God has a plan. And I know that the plan that he has is pretty incredible. But I think a lot of times we're just lazy as humans. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think that's you. All right, maybe not, but here's the thing. We want these things to happen. We'll pray for them. You know, we'll believe God for them in a sense. But I'm not certain that we take the necessary or, or, or place the type of priority that needs to be placed on this thing called preparation. So that we're prepared that we just go. Because has this ever happened to you? Guys, have you ever had some, a friend call you up and say, hey, let's go fishing, let's go hunting, let's go golfing right? Only for your first thought to be junk. Man, I meant to get, I, I meant to get new line on that fishing reel. Or, ooh, man, I, man, I meant to get some, I'm out of ammo. No more 22 shells. Who would have ever thought in America? But anyhow, it's neither here nor there, right? Okay. I don't have this. Or, or your golf, your golf clubs, the, the grips on your golf clubs. I don't know. But, but your, your first thought was, instead of saying, 
Cool, I'm ready to go. Our first thought was, dang. I wanted to get that done and then we kind of scramble around. Anybody ever done that before? Please, somebody lie and raise your hand. Something. Isn't it a whole lot better if we've done the necessary preparation so that when somebody calls, we're like, cool, I'm ready to go. Well, how about when God calls? How about when, if I just put it maybe in, in light of this deal, how about when destiny presents itself, an opportunity, instead of our first reaction being junk, how about our reaction to be because we've prepared, we went, yep, I'm ready to roll. So we're a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. Are you with me? <clears throat> Physically, I believe, we heard some wonderful testimonies today, I believe that God has health available to us. Right? Are you with me? Okay. Do you think we can prepare to walk in health? What does that preparation look like? Turn to your neighbor and say, he make you, may make you mad now. All right, listen. I believe, I know the culture of your church. I know what your pastor believes. I know that you believe that God has health available to us and that we can walk in health. But I'm going to tell you something. We can't visit down the road. Not that I ever have. But down the road, Krispy Kremes. With a Dr. Pepper. Followed by Twinkies. Day in and day out. And expect to walk in health. People do it all the time though. Nobody here. Other people. Right. The, only the stuff we eat in here. Everything we eat in here is healthy. Everything we do is healthy. It's other people we're talking about. Right? That we want to walk in that. Are we prepared to walk in health without... Coming up, having the man or the woman of God lay hands on us to get healed. Okay, that went over well. I can see that. That went over really well. Okay. Thank God for God's mercy. (laughs) Amen. Thank God that we lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Thank God for anointing with oil. But listen, the greatest way to walk is not to need that. So are we preparing? How about, so I'll get off of that because I can tell <clears throat> you're ready for me. It's like, okay, move on, Pastor Shaw. Okay, cool. Soulishly, if we continue to have the same way of thinking, acting that we do now in our soulish realm, but want something different, guess what's going to have to change? Are we renewing our mind to the word? Are we on purpose? I mean, on purpose preparing so picture yourself so these guys went out fishing finished and and later in the story we know that they went out never caught a thing but listen they were still washing their nets because they were preparing for the next time are we preparing ourselves soulishly let me tell you what it, it 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 takes an ongoing effort to continue to renew our mind to the word of god so that soulishly we're able to think different Amen? Because how you think is how you will act. Spiritually, are we prepared and ready to receive revelation from the Holy Spirit? Amen? How does that happen? 
You know, I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know for you. I don't know what you think of when you hear, hear that. Are you ready to receive revelation for the Holy Spirit? To me, it's pretty simple. And maybe it's, maybe I've got it goofed up. It says in the book of Psalms, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will reveal to them his covenant. Do you know what that says to me? Am I spiritually developing my relationship with God? In other words, just, how many of you know you can find out a lot about somebody if you just hang out with them? Are we purposely hanging out with God just because we love to hang out with God? And I can tell you, if we do, you're going to find out more about who he is, okay? Secondly, the next thing is God will use what you already have. Say what I already have. Have you heard anybody say something like this? Well, if I had the kind of money they had, I'd be able to do what they do. Right? Well, if I was born on the same side of the tracks. I mean, eh. Well, if I had their physical talent, I could do whatever. You know, if I could play the piano like Mickey. Yeah, if I could, you know, whatever. You ever been around that? None of us have ever said that, though. Other people have, but not us, right? Let me tell you what. You've got to start with what you have. How do I know that from that verse? It said, it says there, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. In other words, it was there. It was Simon's. That'll do. What you have is enough to start. Are you with me? What you have is enough to start. No, no, no. I think I need, uh-uh. What you have. And let me just give you a real insightful clue. It's all you got, so you got to start there. You, you, you can't have anything different. It's what you are. So look at your neighbor and says, you are what you are. <laughs> Some of you went, oh, awesome. Great. Well, let's just talk about it. The Trinity. The Father. Son. Holy, this is interactive. Holy Spirit, all right. All of those, the Trinity, all gave gifts. Correct. The gifts of the Spirit are found where? You can't say in the Bible. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are found where? Found in Corinthians, right? Nine of them. Nine gifts of the Spirit. Three do, three reveal, three say. You with me? Okay. The gifts of the Son of God. Where are they found? The book of Ephesians. We call them ministry gifts to the church, right? How many of them are there? Five. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Some, some traditions put pastor and teacher together and they say there's four. So that's cool. I don't, I'm not going to argue. But then the gifts of God. God the Father. Where's his gifts? Romans chapter 12. Right? We call them motivational gifts. Some people call them foundational gifts. In other words, it's God's stamp in every man, woman, boy, or girl. Every man, woman, boy, or girl. It's not God's stamp in Christians. It's God's stamp in every man, woman, boy, or girl. Right? That's why you've got sinners that don't know God, don't, don't want to know God, don't believe in God, but they're incredible teachers. Where did they give that gift? God's stamp. How about people that don't know God, but give millions of dollars away? They're phenomenal philanthropists. Where did they get that desire to give to people? God's stamp. There's people that can organize a tornado. 
Where did they get that? And they don't, they don't know God. They don't even know He exists. Where did they get that ability to do that? Those, 12, those, those motivational giftings in Romans chapter 12 is God's stamp that says, hey, boom. Well, I just want to encourage you. Turn to your neighbor. Lick your thumb and go. No, don't touch him. Don't touch him. Look at your neighbor and go, you know what? God's stamp is in you. So you, you've got enough to start. The whole thing is, you've got enough. Start right where you are with your giftings because they're enough. They've been placed there by the God of the universe. Don't ever, don't ever relegate yourself to a also ran. Because God's stamp is in you. Sometimes we just need help in discovering eyesight to be able to see it. You've got enough. Remember when God came to Moses and, you know, talked to Moses about wanting to, I want to use you to lead, lead the people out of, his, out of Egypt? What did Moses say? Stuff that we've all said. Well, I don't have, I don't have the ability. God, I don't have the ability. I can't speak. You, Father, you, miss, you mix me up with my brother. He's got the big mouth. He's the guy that can do it, right? Use him, right? And then remember when they come to the, to the waters, the Egyptian army are behind them. Very interesting phrase that God says to, to, to Moses. Moses, can you just imagine what Moses is, is, is feeling? Like? Can you imagine literally the pressure that he must have been feeling? He's got these few million uh, children of Israel following him. They followed him out into the desert, right? I mean, here he goes. There to, and now all of a sudden he's got Egypt's, Pharaoh's army is behind him. And now you've got an impassable, impossible situation in front of you. Do you know what God didn't say? God, God didn't say to Moses, it's like, well, I, well, didn't you bring that other thing? You mean you left it? No. What did he say? He told Moses this. He says, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? So I ask you, what's in your hand? You may not feel like there's anything in your hand, but I'm going I'm to tell you something. God's stamp is in your hand. You may not have developed it to the degree that it couldn't be developed or whatever, but it's okay. You've got to start right there with what you have, because let me tell you, the cool thing is, is what you have is enough. Hallelujah. Third point is this. If, how many parents in the room with children who can speak? It just means that if they're younger than that, it's probably not applicable yet. But if you have children that can speak, parents, have you ever said this to your kids when something else was coming back out of their mouth? Listen to what I'm telling you and obey. Right? Just listen and obey. So turn to your neighbor and say, listen and obey. Okay, that's... That's the next point of this, okay? (laughs) If we're going to step into and continue to develop what God has for us in life, we got to get good at just listening and obeying. This is a very humorous portion of this story to me. It says, when he had stopped speaking, I'm in verse 4, he said to Simon, Simon, 
launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. To which Simon replied, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Which is otherwise being interpreted. All right. Who's the expert fisherman here? Us or you? Isn't he really saying that to Jesus? He just said it in a really diplomatic way. Or at least Luke recorded it in a very diplomatic way. Because he says, listen, all right, you asked me to go out fish in the deep. It's like, uh, Jesus, clue, clue here. We've already fished all night. We have got nothing. That's, in fact, where you're, this is, I know I'm adding, but I'm adding subtext. It's like, okay, where you want us to go? No, nobody's ever caught fish there. We're not going there. And besides, Jesus, who are you? Have you spent your life as a commercial fisherman? And then I love the, never the, nevertheless, can you see the eyes roll the whole nine yards? Fine, whatever. Of course, we've never done that either, none of us. None of you businessmen out there that spent your life in your particular field to where you've become the expert to which God then asks you to do something that's out of the ordinary, doesn't make sense in the natural, to which you've replied, hmm, Lord, I've been a businessman now in this particular field for 30 plus years and that's really not how we do things. <laughs> if you didn't say it, you thought it. Are you with me? And it's like... Oh, and you're the expert. Hmm. No, Lord, this is, no, I've, I've got four kids under my belt. You want me to do that? Oh. What did they do? It's simple for us. We just got to listen and obey. Just, just listen. That's not hard. And obey. How many times have we told our kids? It's really not that hard. Just shut up and do it. Right? Okay. I'm not saying to use that kind of language. And I'm not saying or admitting that I ever have. However. It's what we think. It's like. Listen. Just stop. Just. I ask you to do something. Doesn't matter whether you like it, whether you think it's right, whether you think it's wrong or whatever. I just want you to do something. I'm not asking you to do something immoral or illegal. So shut up and do it. Right? Oh, some of you are looking at me really, really pious. Like, I would never talk to my children that way. Well, I'm not saying I have. I just... Whatever. So... Okay, here's a crunch, and, and you know, I kind of want to loosen you up a little bit to kind of put a dagger in you. <laughs> Might as well just call a spade a spade, right? <laughs> Have you ever been around a child, that you, somebody else's child, <laughs> never yours, okay, somebody else's child, and you've watched how they responded to a parent's direction, and you sit there and go, holy smoke had I ever said that to my mom or my dad five or ten minutes later I'd have been picking myself up off the floor are you with me I don't know how many times you know being in the ministry when I visited other churches (laughs) 
just remember I'm a visitor to yours. But anyhow. <clears throat> okay, so here's the thing. Do you know when we have that struggle continually? You may agree, you may not agree, and that's, that's totally your prerogative. I really believe when we always have that struggle, it's because, here's the dagger, the Word of God doesn't hold a prominent enough place in our lives to just flat out obey. Amen? Because we've said that about other people's children. And maybe it's been yours, unfortunately. But we've said that about other people's children. So the reason that kid's not obeying is he didn't respect mom or dad's word. There's no respect there at all. In other words, mom or dad's word does not hold a prominent enough place in that kid's life to just pucker and obey. Right? It's the same with us as believers. It's interesting how we want God to take us forward, move us further, take us higher. You know, some of the buzz phrase, go to the next level, whatever that is. We want that. God speaks to us to do something. And then we cop the attitude as a human and just says, like, God, serious? I don't think you know my world well, God. Because if you did, you wouldn't have suggested that. I think if Simon Peter could have did the amplified version, I think Simon Peter's amplified version back to God, back to Jesus would be, seriously, Jesus, I grew up on this lake, right? This was handed down to me by my grandfather. And I can tell you where you want us to go, I've never known anybody to ever catch fish there. And you're asking me to do something that, that Lord... It's seriously just going to take a ton of effort. Because guess what they were going to do when they went out there and caught nothing in Peter's mind? We're going to have to come back and prepare again. We're going to have to wash these stinking nets again. We're going to have to do this all over again. And, you know, okay, we may, we may not verbalize that to God, but if we were honest, have we ever thought that? Have we just ever thought that? And I know we've had that war, and, and I know sometimes that, you know, uh, our, our, our flesh and our our own understanding kind of comes against that deal. But let me just tell you, long term, if that's always a response in us, that's just always a response in us, I just continue, I just encourage you to ask yourself, what place of prominence does the Word of God really have in your life to obey? Luke chapter 1, verse 38, you don't have to write it down, but a few weeks ago in our church, we had a thing where the staff um, also on a Wednesday night spent... 10 or 15 minutes talking about their life verse. And then we had some of our volunteer leaders come and share about their life verse as well. And I started it off, and my life verse is uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. It's where the angel of the Lord came to Mary. We're, we're coming to that holiday. The advent of Christ is coming soon. And where the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, you know what, I'm gonna, you're going to bring forth the Son of God. Now, can you imagine? Can you just imagine that? A little Jewish girl that grew up with this idea of the looking to the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord tells you, sweetie, you're the one. Wow. Prior to that, Zacharias, who was the husband of Elizabeth, who was the mother of John, right? Six months prior, the angel of the Lord came to Zacharias. And what's interesting, the Bible records exactly the same question that both of them, both of them ask. Right? The question was, by both of them, how can this be? Then both of them had a qualifier. Zechariah's 
to the angel of the Lord was, oh, well, how can this be, qualifier, seeing that my wife is barren, right? When he says that, the angel of the Lord goes, you ain't talking for a while. Mary says, oh, how can this be? Her qualifier was, seeing I know not a man. And we have Christmas. Here's the difference between those two questions. It's the agenda behind it. Hers was from a point of discovery. It wasn't from the point of, I don't think you can do this. Hers was, if I could just give inflection in my voice, oh, man, how can this be? Zechariah's was, how can this be? It's just wherever you put the emphasis. <laughs> emphasis is everything. Some of you are still trying to figure out what and what? <laughs> emphasis is where you put the emphasis. Right? Do you know what? Sometimes in life we just put, we just put the emphasis in the wrong spot. The emphasis is on us. Let's let him be the emphasis. If he said it, let's go for it. Then my, my verse, my verse. Be it unto me according to your word. In other words, her deal was this. I don't have a clue how this is going to happen. But God said it. I believe it. And I just do it. His deal was the way some of us are at times as well. It's like, seriously? Thanks for waiting so long. I'm older than dirt. So is she. And she's barren. This ain't going to happen. Right? It's all where you put the emphasis. Four. Seven and eight. Let's read these verses, and then I'll tell you what the point is if you're taking notes. They signaled their partners, so they, they, they obeyed. They listened and obeyed, right? They went out. Do you think they went out in faith? I'm not 100% certain, and I'm not going to say. But I honestly kind of think, if it's just fair to assume that Simon was a guy just like me, right? That Simon probably thought, All right, guys, he wants us to do this, so let's go. You're looking at me like you've never done that. (laughs) Yes, you have. Fine, Lord, I'll do it. As if to say, going to prove you wrong. Now, I don't know. Maybe Simon just got a hold and just went, yeah, cool. All right, he said it. Let's go, guys. It's going to be incredible. So they went out. Any of you know the story. The boats fill up with fish. That's a lot of slime. A lot of stink. Can you just imagine how, whatever, all right? They're in, the, they're in the body of water, by the way, that just has a ton of, wow, anyhow, to sink a boat with fish is a big deal, okay? Can you just imagine what their thoughts were? It's like, do you think there was ever any scuttlebutt behind the scenes? How did he know about that hole? Wow, that's a fishing hole. Look what it says. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. They came, filled both boats, and they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, underline this, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So here's the next point of a person that's going to fulfill their destiny. It's this. When they sin, they own up to it, and they humbly repent before God without getting into the spin zone. 
Here's how many human beings would have done this. So they didn't agree. When Jesus said, go out into this part, and I want you to put down your nets here, guys. And, and like a lot of just humans, it's like, he does, well, what does he know? We're the fishermen. He's not. All right, fine. Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll do it sort of with the eye defined. We'll just go ahead and do it, but it's probably not going to work. They end up doing it, and it worked, and they had this just incredible haul of fish. Many humans, dare I say, many Christians would have went, well, I kind of thought we ought to go there. And I was going to, but you know, I just, you know, whatever. We would just end up making a bunch of excuses so that we didn't look like the bad guy. I'm going to tell you what, if we're ever going to reach our potential in God, we've got to get quickly able to repent and say, God, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Because you see, if we can't do that, guys, then our integrity is at issue. I just love Simon. I, I, just, I just love Peter just being able to go, wow. Because it's an acknowledgement. To me, that's the dead giveaway that he wasn't 100% on board. Why else would he need to repent? Are you with me? Why else would have he needed to ask God to forgive him? Because he didn't fully, fully grab a hold of what God asked him to do. But then he was able to just own up to it. Or as Bill, you know, let's not get into the spin zone. When we blow it, don't blame it on Julie. Right? It wasn't me, it was Julie. Some of you don't know where that's from. Funny movie. Rocket Man. If you want to laugh, it's a great movie. The guy in the movie, anything that went wrong that he did, it was never his fault. It wasn't me, it was Julie. We do that, right? It wasn't me, it was how I was raised. It wasn't me, it was that coach. It wasn't me, it was that teacher I had. It wasn't me, it was this, it was this, it was this, and this. Let me, if we can't own up where we've blown it, it's going to be really hard for God to take us where he wants to. Amen? Okay, number five. Verse 10. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So here's the next point. They embrace the specific, the specific destiny that God had for them, even though their giftings could have them function in a different area. Okay? So listen, this idea, fishermen, these, these commercial fishermen, they know what they're doing. They know what species they're going to target. And, you know, they may get the odd species that they didn't target but when they target a certain species they can get that species they know what they're after and they gear everything for that species jesus just said hey you've got that gift you're a fisher fisherman but now i'm going to have you use that gift and here's where i want you to function in that gift which was different from what they were amen to use a gift a stamp of god in somebody's life How many of you know teaching is one of the stamps of God, right? Okay. So you can teach a whole lot of... There's a variety of people that you can teach. You can teach young men, which is different than old men, which is different than young girls, which is different than old women. 
which is different than junior hires, which is different than high schoolers, which is different than college age, which is different than married, which is different than single parents, which is different than retirees. You, you get it? I mean, which, how many of you know toddlers are different than first graders? First graders are different than fifth graders. So that gift of teaching can be used, but you know what? If we're going to walk into all that God has for us, we have to be willing to allow God to take our gifting and now narrow in on where he wants us to use that gifting. Because that's what he did with them. And how many of you know they changed the world? Right? Last point. Verse 11. To me, this is the crunch. If, If you haven't heard anything that I've said thus far, get this one. Verse 11 says, So when they had, left, had, had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. To me, that's the crunch of the whole story. So here's the point. They didn't follow the blessing. They followed God. reason this is so powerful, because think about it real time. These are commercial fishermen. These guys know what they're doing. This is how they've made their living. And... If you've ever gone fishing and caught fish in a particular spot, did you ever go back to that spot? Oh, that's the spot you always go to, right? Because you caught fish there. If you shot a deer in some canyon, you go back to that place, right? That's just human nature. Can you imagine these fishermen, commercial fishermen? They'd spent the night before, didn't catch a dime. They didn't catch a thing. They didn't make a dime. All of a sudden they go out, now they have this incredible haul. Two boats are starting to sink, filled with fish. I don't have a clue of how much income that would be for them, but I know humans. I know people. I know that when Jesus was off, you know, brushing sand off his feet or, I don't know, washing the slime from all the all the fish off of his body, I can imagine that Andrew and, and James and John and Peter were back there. It's like, mark that down on the GPS. We're going back there. Put that in the GPS because that's a honey hole. I don't have a clue. I grew up my whole life. Nobody's ever caught fish there, but that's a honey hole. Guys, we're coming back here. We'll get rid of Jesus. I mean, not in a bad way. It's not like killing, but I mean, all right, we'll, 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 get, we'll get the master taken care of. And dude, we're getting that boat ready to go. We're going back and we're bringing in a haul. We're going to make some money. Here's what's incredible. They forsook all. Followed him. Years ago, when I was a teenager, I made the determination that I would never seek the blessings of God, ever. I would only seek God. Because I knew then the blessings would come. Amen? Amen. I, I made a determination I would never go after the blessings of Abraham, ever. I would only go after the God of Abraham. Because if I went after the God of Abraham, the blessings would just come. Amen. Amen? You see, if we get caught up on the blessings instead of getting caught up in the blessor, we'll actually stymie how far we can go in God. Because let me tell you what, He won't play second fiddle to anybody. He'll, he won't play second fiddle to anybody. So those six things, hope you wrote them down. If we can just look at that story and go, you know what? Are we preparing spirit, soul, and body? Do we have enough here? Yep, you do. 
got God's stamp. All right. Can I be humble and admit it when I've made a mistake, fail, and just say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going on? Can we allow God to take our giftings and then just really focus those giftings to where we get to the spot that we so fall head over heels in love with Jesus Christ that we're not concerned about the blessings. We're only concerned about Him. When you're concerned with Him, all the blessings will be a natural, natural outcome. Amen. Amen.